Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lorraine, mm-hmm. if I tell you something about Margot, do you oh. promise not to be mean about her? Well, I can't make that promise. <laughs> Honesty, no. I, I need you to now. be a listening ear, a, non, a non-judgmental kind of okay. listening. She's just getting on my nerves. She's following me around everywhere. Needy. She knocked a glass of water all over my desk and laptop the other day while I was trying to work. Then she proceeded to sit down on the desk and clean her nether regions. And I what don't know what she's telling you what with is that she... behaviour. What is the message underneath I don't Margot know, giving herself a good intimate clean in yes, front of you? in front Margot. of me. Well, I'm trying to do some nice writing and some work. I don't know. You know what to do, don't you, Trish? I, Well, I'm not Margot. following your advice because... <laughs> Well, cats exactly. are funny, aren't they? Cats have a whole... They're just from another planet. They're mm. just waiting for the mothership to come mm. around and collect them when they've yes. done their study of human behaviour. Yes. So, well, I hope maybe this mothership will arrive. Give her love. Before the give her love, is over. Love and cuddles. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. In today's episode, we're delighted to be joined by the incredible, the wonderful, the super successful global makeup artist, Bobby Brown, who launched a cosmetics empire after creating 10 simple lipsticks she wanted to use in her everyday work. She's been such a pioneer of natural beauty and well-being for women, and we're going to be uncovering all her tips and tricks, as well as talking to her about aging well. We're also going to be discussing friends because we're really missing them right now, as we're sure you are too. We're going to be looking at how how friendships evolve over our different stages of life, how to keep the relationships going in midlife when other commitments take over, and what we should be thinking and doing now to ensure we have the right friends in place for a fun-filled future. And we will, of course, be nostalgia noodling at the end of the show. But before that, in How to Win at Midlife, we'll be sharing some expert advice on how to support your teen in making the right university choices and getting them through that all-important application process. But before we crack on, we wanted to have a quick chat about one of the threads on our Facebook group because we know this is an issue that many perimenopausal women are going through. So Jane posted on our Facebook group, I thought I would talk about word finding, which is increasingly difficult. I have a job in the NHS and have done for 32 years. Word finding is a problem at work and in general conversation. Complex words come easily, basics, not always. I feel embarrassed at times as I'm not able to find the words that are part of everyday conversation. I'm 52 and menopause. I have tried HRT, which reduced some symptoms, but gave me terrible migraines for the first time. This is really, really common. This is oh brain gosh. fog, isn't it, it, Trish? It is. We've both suffered mm. it, haven't we? There's a really brilliant book called The XX Brain by a neurologist called Lisa Moscone, and she explains what happens. So basically the hormones, estrogen and testosterone, which are, and testosterone more so perhaps, are responsible for your cognitive thinking, are so decreased in your brain that your brain doesn't work in the way it did before. It's the memory bit of your brain you find it quite hard to retrieve be I mean I couldn't sometimes just couldn't remember people's names I couldn't mm. remember really simple words like drive or run mm-hmm. I had testosterone prescribed for me um, as part of a private prescription because it's not available on the Mm. NHS, not because it's dangerous or there are any issues with it. It's to do with a licensing issue. So it can be prescribed for men, (laughs) but 
sadly, it cannot be prescribed for women where it can every other place in the world. So if it's really severe, perhaps that might be something one could consider with the brain mm-hmm. fog. And I believe that vitamin B12 is a yes. very good one. And that was recommended for me by my menopause doctor. And that helps. But I think that it is what's so debilitating about it is that, you know, it can be funny because it's the whole, oh, thingamabob, the whatchamacallit, all of that. But actually, it does dent your confidence, doesn't it, when you're reaching to because you mispronounce things, you mangle the words, and you just start feeling a bit like a blithering idiot. So it is something that's worth getting checked out. I would say about the migraines that that is definitely something to get checked yes. out with uh, with your GP. And as always, as we like to reiterate, we're not trained professionals or medics, but it's great to hear what other people have been through on the Facebook group so they can share their experiences. But please do always check with your GP. Yeah, we do have quite a few experts on the Facebook. Facebook group who are quite happy to provide some information as well or point people in the direction of websites and medical information that might help so always share it's a private Facebook group so if we can we will definitely help you out women in midlife we certainly know the importance of support networks to help us get through not only challenges of everyday life but to enjoy ourselves while we're doing it at the moment in the second wave of another long lockdown we're finding ourselves a bit isolated and as we said recently on the podcast some of us are really overwhelmed now we are grateful for the wonders of technology because that means we can stay in touch with friends um, and for our socially distanced one-to-one walks which are the highlight of the week and a sanity saver but we thought it would be good to have a jibber jabber or if we want to refer to it as professional journalists to reflect on the importance of friends in our lives and what might be different about those relationships as we come out of this god awful pandemic now trish you have missed your friends what have you missed particularly oh well i just think everything and everything and anything and of course as you say it's like thank goodness they are there sort of at the end of a zoom call or a text or whatever but it's It's just the same it's not the same and it is kind of clinically proven that friends are good for your health you know of course I love Neil of course I love my children but you know friends provide such a different thing that you need in your life and I think that you know they really do give you sort of emotional fulfillment I mean if you think about it you rarely ever argue with friends you're more considerate with them and they kind of bring out the best in you I think and and ironically you probably do have more in common with them yeah. than your actual partner because you like the same things you love the same clothes you read the same books I mean, I don't read any of the same books as Neil. You know, we like different TV programs. So it's kind of when I'm with my friends that you can share those lovely, lovely little things. And I know we've joked about this before, but we kind of sort of say that if, we're, if we ever end up alone in our sort of, you know, old age, we'll just all move in together <laughs> or live next door to each other. And I think like Iman has just said, hasn't she, about David Bowie, she's not going to bother finding another man. And I don't think... No, I'm not sure I no. would either because I think my friends would fill that, fill that gap, gap very well. Yeah. Exactly. What about you? Well, friends are the family you choose, aren't mm. they? So the only thing I think about friends is there's this kind of lack of formal structure, isn't there? So if mm. you're in a proper relationship or a partnership, you know, kind of know what the rules are, don't you? You know where yeah. it's going, how it's going. But with friends, you don't really know what are they there for? What should you give back? What shouldn't you give back? How do you enjoy them? I mean, I think friends should be people you talk to, people you depend on. Um, but a Hallmark did a survey and apparently loyalty is the most valuable asset mm-hmm. in friendship. That's kind of what we're looking for. And women apparently have six best friends over a lifetime and each friendship lasts an average of 10 years because what happens in life is you change circumstances and thus it becomes quite difficult to stay as close to some of the friends that you've had I mean Mm -hmm. I don't have any school friends because my circumstances have changed so differently Mm -hmm. and we lost contact but I was looking into why we might have friendships so why do we need friendships if we have families what would be the kind of anthropological reason for that if we were making a wildlife documentary about you and me (laughs) Trish and our friendship (laughs) so there's something that was discovered in 1971 it's called reciprocal altruism Mm -hmm. so basically you pick a friend 
the friend most likely to give you what you want because you and in order to get that you have to give them what they want Mm -hmm. so the exchange is you pick someone that you can make happy because you know as an animal in the wild that you might need someone to make you happy at some point so that's kind of the the reasoning thinking behind the evolutionary it's so so friendship is kind of an extended version of that according to the scientists so i was thinking why have i picked you trish what might you give me back <laughs> I don't know. What will oh, you I give back? You are very patient with oh. me, which not many people are very mm-hmm. patient with me because sometimes I can be a little abrupt <laughs> in my dealing with friends. Feline, even Trish. Yeah, I think even. you are. Yes. Definitely. Why would? Why yes. have you picked me as a friend twenty-seven well, years ago? I think the because of the opposite thing, really. I mean, we have yes. got the same interests. Obviously, we've yeah, had we had similar careers, but we are that sort of opposite thing. I think we do bring out different things. You make me a bit shouty. I make you a bit calm. I think yes. it, it works quite nicely. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in midlife, friendships are more likely to come out of other relationships, aren't they? Yeah. Because in your young yeah. adulthood, you've got plenty of time for friends, haven't you? And you spend all your life with friends. Very intense as well diversity. then, aren't they? It is. And that's kind of really important in terms of you figuring out who you are and what you want to be and what's kind of next in your life. And then obviously, you, if you if you get into a monogamous relationship, those friendships can sort of drop off, which is a bit of a shame, really. And it's a bit ironic. And then in midlife, you tend to start making friends like it's work colleagues, it's parents of your kids' friends, just because it's kind of easier and it's more available. And of course, then once the kids go and life quietens down a bit, that's when you can get back into kind of yeah. really developing those friendships. But of course, social media has sort of changed a lot of things. Because yeah. whereas, you know, friends that you might not have, you just drift away from and forget about they they just pop up all the time on your Facebook group so there's these kind of three stages of friendship that I read about in this article in the Atlantic called active dormant and commemorative and active are obviously the ones you're in touch with regularly and you call on them for emotional support uh, you pretty much know everything that's going on in your life the dormant ones are those that kind of have history you might not have spoken in a while but you'd be happy to hear from them and you'd sort of definitely hook up if you could and then you've got commemorative friends which I thought this was quite interesting it's just not someone you ever expect to hear from or see maybe ever again but they were really important to you at an early yes. stage in your yeah. life and you Got think of them. them fondly for that reason you still consider them a friend but as I say kind of like you know they pop up on Facebook group which is which or your Facebook you know timeline and that can be a bit weird because it means they're constantly in your peripheral vision Another statistic that I read is that there are more women, there's more than 1.2 million British women aged 45 to 65 now living alone. They're not in relationships, they're choosing to live on their own. That just means that there's a lot of women where friends are their primary relationship. Well, yeah. It's not that partner. I think that's a really important point because if you're single and you're in this stage of life, things that can be in common interests in common are places to find friends so I kind of view social media Facebook particularly as it's almost like a dating app for Mm -hmm. friends if you're a woman in midlife now I've met a lot of complete strangers with my open water swimming Mm -hmm. and I would consider two or three of them incredibly good friends now I don't see them much because they live near the sea but actually these are women I would never have encountered ever in Mm. normal everyday life particularly not my life in London so far away from them but through them I've discovered bits about myself actually and they've been incredibly comforting and amazing and I and Mm -hmm. but they may also have been people I'm if I had met them I would have thought oh we've got nothing in common there's that you know how will we ever get on but you if you are patient and you've dated your friend through social Mm -hmm. media perhaps Mm -hmm. you do gradually start to find out things about women's past where actually you're actually pretty similar you do have Mm -hmm. interests in common you have experiences in common and I think the other thing I noticed about friendship at this stage of life and I've got lots of female friends who are single is that if you make friends with people who are adventurous and outgoing then they go away (laughs) they go abroad (laughs) one of my closest friends who I made about five years ago who's actually my yoga teacher that's such Mm -hmm. a middle-class thing to say who I absolutely adore and we used to go on lovely walks because she happened to live nearby has gone to live in LA so I liked her because of her I think I'll just go and do that attitude Mm. so Mm. I think you you have to sort of take that into account I do think there should be big communities Mm -hmm. where you can date women and as friends friend dating like that idea very good 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And now it's time to meet Bobby Brown, who is a true legend and someone Trish and I have held in huge esteem throughout our Glossy Magazine careers. She is one of the most successful makeup artists of all time, turning her love of cosmetics into a multi-million dollar brand thanks to her no makeup makeup philosophy, in which she pioneered products that bring out every woman's natural beauty. After selling her company to Estee Lauder, she left her namesake brand in 2016 and, ever the entrepreneur, has since launched a wellness brand, Evolution 18. She is married, the mother of three sons, and lives in New Jersey and the Hamptons in America. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Bobby Brown. First of all, am I in midlife? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I live to be 170, so I'm almost in midlife. So. Yeah, we think so. We think so. We're speaking to you in inauguration week. You're in America. You were zooming across the Atlantic. How did it feel waking up yesterday to a new president in the White House? It's a hard thing to answer because I was with the Bidens on the first two inaugurations and I wasn't oh. there this time. So personally, I had major FOMO. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, this cannot, is not the one to miss. <laughs> no, I cannot believe that I am not there and you have someone else doing your makeup. And I'm like, oh my God. But um, I just, I love them so much as people, as humans. You know, it's really hard to be political and open here because you get destroyed, but I could not be happier. I feel we're in the right place. At least we have someone that's going to be authentic and tell us the truth. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. brilliant. It's good news all around. It's a new dawn for everybody. Even here, we're very oh, excited joyful, about it. Joyful, absolutely. Oh. So back to Bobby. Could we take you back to when you first started? You really were the pioneer of the natural look that brought out women's best skin, their best look. And you did that in a time when we were in the dynasty era. It was all big rouge and lipstick and everything. How did you begin then with that kind of strategy behind you, that thinking? Well, there is never a strategic thought that has ever crossed my brain. It's just <laughs> what I go forward and I do and I don't think about it. And I entered, you know, New York City in the fashion times of 1980, I guess it was. I graduated Late college. Yeah, I graduated college in 79. Stayed near my college for a year waitressing so I could figure out how to pay some rent and then moved to New York. And I thought, well, I'll just do fashion on the side until I get a, you know, become a makeup artist for Hollywood, which thank God never happened. <laughs> and so when I did a lot of testing and tried to network and figure out what was my place, I made phone calls. You know, there was no internet, there was nothing. So I just started meeting people. And then I started doing these free tests as the makeup artist and I tried to figure out what was going on. And then eventually I got hired in magazines, you know, a job here, a job there. It was the 80s and it was when makeup was very artificial and sculpted and not blended. And I just frankly didn't think it looked good. And I also didn't think I was a very good makeup artist. I got hired to do Jerry Hall on a cover of British Cosmo. I was so not ready, but I arrived and she was so sweet. And I put all the makeup down. I started making her face up. I gave her the mirror and she said, oh, thank you so much. It's lovely. Can I just make some adjustments? I said, sure. She completely redid her entire face. <laughs> and, and, but, but I remember instead of feeling bad about it, I said, wow, this is how I'm going to learn. And I watched her sculpt and do all this stuff that I could not, I did not have the talent to do. And I thought I should be like that. So I tried. And then I just started thinking that women look better without makeup on yeah. their face than with it. Did a makeup for a magazine. I think it was Italian L or something. And I was like, oh my God, she looks so pretty. And the cover came out and she had bronzy cheeks and, ha and everything was blended, you know, which was like a crazy moment. 
and the foundation was the color of her skin. People must have objected to that, but then you must have found that women actually probably really liked it. Well, being this naive young makeup artist, as soon as the cover came out, I went and I showed it to the first well-known person I could find who was a very well-known makeup artist. And he said, honey, you're never going to work in this town. (laughs) And I looked at him and he said, people don't want to look like that. You've got to learn to do what everyone wants. And I was, you know, a little dejected, but the next job I kind of did what I thought was right. And I remember it was Renee Simonson and I, I had blue mascara on her. That was, but everything else was healthy and blended. The public hadn't really seen the makeup yet. I was doing odd bits. And then eventually people started asking for me as the makeup artist on set because I was actually nice. Back then people were, it was okay not yeah. to be nice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then I guess your business started to build because you had a newborn baby at the time and your husband used to take all the stuff to the post office, didn't he, all the natural lipsticks. But you must have started to have to have a business brain at the same time as a makeup artist brain. And you were well, a young mum as well, weren't you? Right. Yes, I was living in the suburbs about 45 minutes out of Manhattan, literally pregnant with my first baby when I started making lipsticks because I met a chemist. And I started selling them. A friend of mine who was an editor at a magazine said, can I write about them? I'm like, why would you want to? Ah, now I know it's called PR. (laughs) And we got a lot of phone calls and we started sending things out. And yes, my husband was mailing things. He was in law school. It was a pretty crazy time. He's still your business manager, isn't he? He is still my husband. <laughs> and he is my business advisor, my partner. <laughs> Obviously, you developing famous 10 lipsticks. Were there other key milestones on the way to making this global billion dollar cosmetics brand? There was a bunch. So I started selling them out of my house. Glamour magazine wrote about them. Someone else wrote about them. And then I was at a party and I met this woman and I said to her, you know, thanks for inviting me. And I said, what do you do? And she said, I'm the cosmetics buyer at Bergdorf Goodman. And Mm -hmm. I said, oh, and I quickly babbled my new lipsticks. And she says, I'd love to take them. And that started the conversation and some turns back and forth. But we launched 10 lipsticks at Bergdorf Goodman while I was still a makeup artist. We had business partners that quickly turned into an intense relationship. And we were off to the races. Second baby, we became the number one line at Bergdorf Goodman uh, and Neiman Marcus. And then we got a call from Estee Lauder and sold the brand after five years. I always find it very ironic that you had three sons. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's, it's good because as someone that grew up with a mother that always said, oh, you could be so much more beautiful if you did this. Oh, don't eat that. You'll feel better. She wanted the best for me, but she made me a neurotic mess. So, you know, I'm glad I have four. <laughs> You're 63 now, and you've now launched your own makeup brand, Jones Road, and also your wellness and beauty brand, Evolution 18. So that's Evolution underscore 18, which you can get here in Boots, I think. So you're an entrepreneur, aren't you? So that's kind of where a lot of your drive comes from. But did you not just think, I've done it now. I'm in my late 50s. I can take a break. I can play a bit of tennis. I might pop to the beach in the afternoon. Where did all this come from again? I'm someone who has this insane insatiable curiosity. I am someone that is always thinking and I'm always thinking, wow, that would be cool if, oh, what about this? I Now I know I'm called a serial entrepreneur. In my spare time, by the way, if I'm not exercising, I'm organizing or cleaning out a drawer or Instagramming. So the thought of being on a golf course or tennis or playing bridge or mahjong or going to a, a matinee I, I just does not, <laughs> does not interest me at all. I can't help it. I have a very busy mind and I like to do things. I find things interesting. You're very good at uh, the old, to use the phrase, juggling, that women, especially in their midlife where they're still holding down jobs, they've probably got teenage kids. How did you find that phase of your life when you got to be really, really involved in your teenage kids' lives? Because your boys are now all in their 20s. Is that right? My oldest is 30. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. I've got two engaged kids. You know, when we sold the company, we had two boys. I think they were like two and four, or three and five, something like that. And then I had the third baby when I was 41 years old, mm-hmm. you know, right in the muck of it where everyone else was saying, I'm done. I just said, all right, I'm not done. Let's do this thing. And yeah, I don't remember all of it. I'm the kind of person that looks back and remembers the good things and forget yeah. that. 
that's that's the same thing with, you know, being part of this big corporation. I remember the good things. Like, I don't need to dwell on the negative because then there'll be no room for all the positivity. So I just did it. And I was the kind of mom that uh, I was there, but I was on the phone. I was there, but I was thinking about what else I had to do. You know, I was, I'm not a present person. It's just something I need to work on and I am working on. I'm always kind of like, you have a lot of energy then. A lot of energy, but I sleep perfectly at night. And, you know, I think because I'm a health and wellness Mm. addict, I always have been, I'm always trying different things. I'm able to kind of make it work. Like I know when I'm, I'm done, I'm burnt, I'm tired. I have to stop what I'm doing. I just have to go do something else. And you often spot a trend. So you had a really diverse approach to the women that you work with right at the beginning of your career in terms of women of color and where people were from. It's taken years for the industry to catch up. And also you were miles ahead on wellness before everybody else. How do you define that? Is that just instinctive or is it from talking to so many people, so many women all the time? Well, it's probably a combination. You know, it's, I talk to people, I'm very visual, I'm very self-aware, usually. My husband would probably beg to differ. Everything I've always done, it's because, wow, that makes sense. I never think I'm brilliant, you know, even though sometimes I do say, oh, that was a good idea. (laughs) But I just do what makes sense. Of course, I couldn't offer foundations or concealers to a woman of color and not have it when she came to the counter. You know, yes, buy my products, but we don't really have your colors. No, I don't care. We don't only sold a teeny bit of the darkest. I don't care. You know, I would tell my marketing team when they'd say, we have to discontinue these shades. They don't sell as well. I would say, no, you have to go out and get more black customers. (laughs) No, I can't not have this blush. And we didn't have 10 choices. We had one or two. That was new at the time. So as we speak, I'm launching 25 face pencils that could be used for evening out your skin, getting rid of dark circles, brightening under your eyes, color correcting. It's this really cool formula And my husband's like, 25? You don't need 25. I'm like, you do? You can't not have a color for everyone. Talk to us about beauty and the aging process, because I think for a lot of women in midlife, it's a kind of, you start having a different relationship with how you look and what you see in the mirror. We're not about anti-aging, we're about aging better. So how do you learn to feel comfortable and confident with the process of aging, do you think? Because a lot of women do fear it. Well, number one, stop looking all the time. Mm-hmm. If I look in the mirror and I look bad, I just stop looking mm-hmm. because I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm not going to look. I'm going to find better light. And I'm going to maybe, like, if I look bad, I don't say, oh my God, I need some work done. I say, maybe I'm not drinking enough water. Maybe I'm nibbling on too many French fries and martinis. I should maybe cut back. Maybe I need a break. So I really do believe that how I look is so tied to how I feel. And if you don't feel good, something's off hormonally and everything else we go through. There's times where I'm like, oh, I don't feel great. And mm-hmm. what is it? And, you know, I'm, I'm trying different things, putting certain things in my water or for a while I tried to put water in my vodka and then I realized <laughs> that doesn't work. I know. I, I tried. I thought, let me hydrate that way. <laughs> But I also realized that I feel fine with one a day. I feel okay with two a day. I feel awful with three. So all right, I'll never drink three again. I will sometimes drink two, but I won't feel as good. So I try to drink one. And what was your midlife journey like? Because I think the attitude in America is very different from attitudes here. So we are still trying to educate women around hormone replacement therapy in this country and the safety of it and the suitability of it for some women, not for all women. What did you go through? Did you take hormone replacement therapy? You would have been able to find all the information out yourself because of your curiosity, wouldn't you? Well, yes. And you know, I have such amazing access to so many experts that you meet. So I had this baby at 41, which was amazing. It was a miracle. And by 48, I was in menopause. So it was like, you went from one to the other. And yeah, I was definitely struggled. I had some hot flashes, not terrible, but my sleeping started to get a little bit erratic. Mm. And what bothered me the most is I just felt not depressed, but just this malaise. Like I just- Low mood. Yeah. Like if I was with someone, I wasn't in the mood asking them how their kids were. You know, I just became a little bit aloof and I'm like, something's not right. So 
I went to a couple different doctors and I ended up going on bioidentical hormones. I am still on bioidentical hormones. I've gone off them a couple times. I go back on them because it helps my sleep. It helps my sex drive. It mm -hmm. helps, you know, all the things that matter. Just like anything, there's side effects or there's the unknown and you have to just think about what that means. And for me, it means I'm going to stay on it as long as I need to. I am going to be doing a test and going off them in the near future because I have to take a, a breast MRI just for maintenance purposes and you have to be off hormones for two weeks. Wow. So I thought, all right, watch out, everybody. Try it. <laughs> and you know, there's a chance I might be okay because I'm over menopause. Mm -hmm. But what's the attitude in America? Is it something that's talked about among women? Yeah, it is definitely yeah, good. talked about. Good. And some women that will go on regular hormone replacement, I prefer the bioidentical because it's not coming out of a lab. But look, I, I am the first person that's going to jab that vaccine in my in my arm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. So we've talked about the beauty from within, the sort of natural side of beauty. Good time to talk about Evolution 18 because this is mm -hmm. your new venture, relatively new venture. It's available here exclusively in the UK and it's a range of supplements supplements and things to support that beauty from within. Power of supplements like biotin, collagen, convince us that they make a difference. I think they make a difference. I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's clinicals, the people that make our products painstakingly do all the research and we get the benefit of that research. So we don't launch anything unless there's a reason to. So I, I notice a difference when mm -hmm. I am putting collagen in my smoothies and my coffee I notice better skin. I notice that my joints feel better. Other people say it makes a big difference in there. So I am a believer in collagen. And I am someone that just likes things that are simple to do and not too complicated. So our probiotic, which dissolves on the tongue, I don't love taking pills. It's an easy way to get a probiotic, which helps your digestion and your gut. And yes, beauty starts in the gut. I mean, that's yeah. a tagline, but it's just the how you look really does have a lot to do with how you feel and vice versa. You know, how you mm -hmm. feel has a lot to do with how you look. You and know? you've always taken supplements, haven't you? I, I have. I've taken yeah. them and I've struggled with them. I have a bunch of supplements that are sitting here waiting for me to, you know, to take yeah. them. Eventually, I hope that I'll be able to find all my supplements in edible form. And to me, chocolate like, bars. Chocolate bar. No, I'm going to make potato chips. Yeah. How about one thing that <laughs> That's chips a good idea. Can open up? And all the vitamins are in there. Oh, I love the sound of that. We also yeah. like the sound of the chill gummies, which yeah. contain the non-THC CBD. Is CBD something that you're personally a fan of? I notice a difference when I literally, it takes the edge off. You know, mm -hmm. not a, <laughs> THC is not my friend. And I've even tried CBD with like teeny amounts of, of THC that people say are non-reactive. I hallucinate on them, so I can't take them. Mm -hmm. But the CBD, which is basically, you know, a hemp, Mm -hmm. It just takes the edge off and calms my brain. So oh, I'm going to get some for Trish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it, it really does. It just it takes the edge off. If I take two, I go right to sleep. But you are very fit, aren't you? I've watched some of your interviews and you can manage to sit cross-legged on a chair for quite a lot. I mean, I can't imagine being able to do that. And I do a bit of yoga. What's your exercise routine? Because you look fantastic. You're uh, in shorts. You look about 21. Uh, yeah. Jolly and smiley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Is well, it down to all, exercise? <laughs> well, I've got, first of all, I am a makeup artist who's been on set for, you know, yeah. 30, 40 years. I have daylight right now coming at me. Mm -hmm. and daylight makes all the difference or good light. But lighting is everything. Number one, trust me, I need to do more. And because we're in this pandemic, I'm someone that needs a fitness trainer to tell me to pick up that weight and do it this way. No, go heavier. I haven't done weights the whole time I've been in lockdown and uh, I'm my body's feeling it. So I've managed to drop some pounds because when I first entered, all we did is sit home and cook and yeah drink. And my kids were with me. We had seven or eight of us in the house and every night was a Saturday night. So I managed <laughs> to put on, you know, weight and now I've taken it off, but I'm a little mushy and um, <laughs> I would still like to take off three to five pounds. I'm teeny, I'm five foot mm -hmm. tall. So mm -hmm. 
anything extra between my boob and my tush just goes there. <laughs> How are you so bendy? Explain me that. I don't know. I've always been. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you can put your foot behind your ear. I've always been, but you know, I'm very, very flexible. I used to have a yoga teacher that would work out with me and my husband and she'd always say, all right, Stephen, you have to get more flexible. Bobby, you have to get more strong. Mm -hmm. And she meant in her body, but I'm like, oh yes, in our relationship too. (laughs) That was very funny. Um, But but by the way, being so flexible isn't such a good thing I'm learning. Uh, My future daughter-in-law is a gifted physical therapist and because I'm so flexible, my joints have kind of given out. So I've got some pain oh. in my hip and my oh. lower back. So now I'm doing my uh, PT exercises to strengthen those things. So I don't have pain in my hips anymore. And tell me about your glasses, because that's the signature look. So there's no no contact lenses. For no, I, I try. I can't. And I've been so used to glasses that most of the time I don't really have to worry about how tired I look. Did you go and try on 4,000 and think, right, this is it. I'm going to wear these like like Anna Winters, Bob, that kind of thing. No, 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 no. This is from um, a glass line that I used to have. I used to have an eyewear line. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore, but the Bobby frames, which are what I wear, I happen to have, you know, walked away from the company with like 20 pairs. <laughs> so you've got the lovely brown hair and then your go-to makeup every day. Yeah. The Bobby brown hair. <laughs> yes. My yeah. Bobby brown hair that is a hundred percent white <laughs> because I'm, you know, not near my hairdresser. I've got lots of oh, color. Wow. I don't know if they've made it to the UK. Oh yeah. Well, you paint oh, yeah. the roots. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. My, I, I am painted. So, mm-hmm. so makeup for me, I mean, today I was a guest on a Harvard business school call with mm-hmm. these 100 amazing kids. So I did put a little bit of makeup on, but often I don't. Jones Road, the new brand is basically based on me and how I like to do makeup now. And I wanted to give it the hashtag, which I didn't because people don't like when I swear, but <laughs> hashtag how not to look like shit. <laughs> like the sound <laughs> of that. <laughs> I know, but that's why we wear makeup, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. as we get older, I'm not trying to look like a cover girl. I've, less I've tired. That. That's all I want to look, less tired. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yes, exactly. So all the products are designed to A, be put on in a minute and just pat them on and get rid of the tired bits, put a little bit of blush on, put mascara and say, oh, you know what? Today I need a little more definition. Quickly put a shadow in that you don't have to blend. And okay, I'm done. And you know, the, the miracle bomb goes on your cheeks, goes on your lips. I can't wait to launch it in the UK, guys. Yeah. Why did you call it. it Jones Road? And why is the other one Evolution 18? What's the story of the names? Well, Evolution 18, first of all, getting a name is so difficult. And yeah. making, you know, everyone, it's, nothing's available. No one that you give the names to ever likes them. So <laughs> you know, everyone shuts everything down. So Evolution 18 18 is just a good luck piece. And evolution, because I believe in evolving. So evolution 18, it was the first name we all agreed on. Yay. All right. So that's the name. Jones Road. So no surprise, I can't use the name Bobby Brown. It's Mm -hmm. been taken and I'm happily, it's someone else's and not mine. And when we were trying to do all these names and hired all these brilliant copywriters and asked everyone's opinion, we were getting nowhere. And if One day I was driving out to the Hamptons with my husband and my husband, who doesn't like to waste time, I always have to be looking down at Waze and Google Maps and, you know, God forbid it's going to 60 seconds, we're going to have to wait. So my head is down. And the moment I put my head down, I saw on Waze, Jones Road. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jones Road Beauty. And what it said to me was, number one, it reminded me of my favorite place on the earth, which is the UK. I'm an Anglo. Everyone. So Jones Road sounded like an English, English brand. Yeah. And also Jones, I can't use brown. I could use Jones. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's Jones Road Beauty. My inspiration and my love of all things UK is everywhere. Aww. Now that you've kind of reached this pinnacle of success, because I think it is pretty successful, massive career, and you are world famous. What have been your luxuries? What have you spent your well-earned money on? Things that bring you joy, I guess. Well, the first thing when we sold the company, you know, we knew we had the car we wanted. We had, I don't remember what we were driving at the time. We had the house we wanted. And we decided to pay for all of our nieces and nephews to go to college. 
So we did that. And then we started paying for other people's children, just random different Mm. things. So we've probably put 20 to 30, I have to count one day, kids through college. So that was the most important thing for us, you know, to help our brothers and sisters that way. We've done little grants to them for different things. For us, it's it's vacation homes. We have vacation homes. Guess what? The kids want to come. Oh, they get to stay with you then. Our posse is, you know, our three boys, my two nephews and my three other nephews come, but the regular guys who live near us, now their fiancés are coming. Mm -hmm. We're so much about our kids. Like they're our friends. Yeah. We've taken entire fraternities out for dinner. (laughs) You're the fun parents then, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. You're the the fun house to go to. Yeah. Yeah. If they're going to get something, I'd rather see it. (laughs) You're widely known as as remaining true to yourself and a nice person to work with, which is, I think, quite unusual in, a, in, in the cutting edge of making yeah. money and being an industry. So if you were going to give someone some advice, a young woman starting out today, what, what do you think would be the main thing you could tell her? A combination of be nice and don't be afraid. Like you have to be fearless. And I mean, don't be afraid to say, I don't know how to do this or it's too much for me or am I doing an okay job? Like don't be afraid and just learn the art of communicating. So many people are so scared. What are people going to think of them? And what is confidence, guys? Confidence is not being, you know, I'm so fabulous. No, confidence just means you're comfortable with who you are. Mm -hmm. And just try to just find what makes you comfortable. And also realize, you know, if you're a young person, you're going to have different experiences. It's going to lead you to a not being a young person and just take the experiences and learn from them. And don't forget about your health and your lifestyle and your non-working life. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Bobby. Excellent advice. It's so lovely talking to you. We will be nostalgia noodling, so listen for that. But first, as many of you are parents listening with children in their late teens, mid to late teens, you are likely to be thinking about university. Trish and I are with our 16 and 17-year-olds at the moment. So this week's How to Win at Midlife is about making sure you're prepared and how to avoid all the pitfalls because it can be a little bit of a minefield. I've got one daughter at university, Sky, who's 18, and at Bath, It was fairly smooth going. I would say the one thing I did learn is not to panic about it because there's so much support around them. But I think you do have to focus them, (laughs) make them sit down and think about it. I've got a 17-year-old at the moment, and it's a little bit of a different story because she really doesn't know. I was quite lucky with my eldest. She really did know. And when you say no, what meaning what they She doesn't really know what she wants to do. No, she's taken a different set of A-levels, so they're they're kind of a mix, so we don't quite know yet. Yeah, exactly. And of course, with with the twins, having one of each, I've got one who's very sort of clear and obvious which way he's going to go. And my daughter, again, humanity's a bit broader, really not sure. So it's kind of very much niggling in the back of my mind at the moment, because they're going to be filling out their UCAS forms this autumn. And uh, it's very soon, which means they really should be looking at courses, universities in the next few months. And um, I have to say I'm a bit clueless about the whole thing because it's a very long time since I did this myself. So I spoke to Zoe Cook, who, along with her friend Julie Sweeney, set up the Facebook group, What I Wish I Knew About University. And they set that up back in 2017 when Zoe had to steer her daughter through clearing and literally didn't have a clue what to do. Um, The group now has 11,000 members and there is so much helpful advice on literally every conceivable situation you might find yourself in and there's a really diverse group of parent contributors so it's definitely worth checking out so, so just to explain though clearing is when you don't get your first choice exactly, isn't it you have to go is, through what you are offered because I didn't go to university so all of this was completely yeah, new to me so if my on the day results day in August your your loved one your dearest teen hasn't got the results that they needed to get in to the university you have to go through clearing and really it's a bit of a scramble to get a place somewhere 
somewhere. And this was um, Zoe's experience. She's a mum of four. She says her oldest child's uni experience was one of the most stressful in all her years of parenting. So that's saying something because her daughter didn't get the grades she was predicted and she missed out all, all her university places and she didn't have a backup plan. So unsurprisingly, Uh-oh. Zoe's first piece of advice is have a backup plan. So they're going to be feeling really crap come results day if yeah. they don't get the grades Especially they want and, and they won't be able to focus. So it'll be very hard for them to focus on the clearing process and working out their next steps. And you have to really do this quite quickly. And Zoe says that two of her children went through clearing and were successful and ended up incredibly happy with where the university and the courses they got onto. So that is a good, you know, end of the story. So what we need to do is make sure that while our kids are looking at courses and universities now, it's kind of encouraging them to pick some reserve options as well. So if they're dead set on a particular university, make sure they research other courses that might require lower grades. And Zoe's daughter actually managed to do the same subject that she had originally applied for, but as part of a combined studies course. Um, And it was at the university she wanted to go to. So despite missing out on this subject specific course, she was really happy. And apparently once you get in there, it's quite easy to change courses anyway. So that's kind of good. She also says, do not expect the school to help out on results day because nobody will be as interested in your child as you are. And they're obviously going to be inundated and some of them may be supportive on than others, but you cannot rely on that. So they we found that they were supportive if you were in a really difficult emergency situation, okay. but if you were in that kind of don't quite know what to do situation you weren't yeah. really a priority for them. yeah exactly so probably worth if, if they have got a bit of a sort of cheerleading teacher who who thinks they're really good at their subject to just speak to them again way in advance about what might some other options be what do they think etc for the backup plan Lorraine you said you weren't that involved in in Sky kind of doing all her applications no. and things but so really Zoe sort of says it's you've got to kind of go with how your child is because yeah. some of them might want you to not be involved and they might just want to get on with it so you just need to keep an eye but obviously others might need you to hold their hands through the process whether that's choosing courses or taking them to the visiting days and just dropping them off and leaving them to it not being allowed in with them it's worth just making sure that they're playing to their strengths and being realistic about the grades and going for subjects that they really enjoy and are passionate about and I hadn't thought of this either really read through the courses and all the modules throughout all the years just to check that there are no surprises and something boring in there that they they don't want to know so I mean on open days I'm a bit worried about that because if we're applying this autumn it's not very likely we're actually going to be no. able to go and see I tell them. you what you can do with open days though mm. and this is such a resource um, and UCAS have some links on their site is you go onto YouTube mm-hmm. and click whatever university accommodation first day video and most students who arrive because they're obsessed with social media make videos of their rooms mm-hmm. um, and interview each other so we my daughter's gone to Bath so we looked at all the YouTube videos around Bath University and we saw each of the accommodation levels and um, physically videoed the room and one girl had made a really brilliant video about her and her mum and dad and they talked on their open day about what her choices were and things so it's worth having a look because you do get a sense particularly this year because we won't be able to go of what mm. you going for yes you will have known this but I hadn't appreciated that some cities or universities the accommodation is way more expensive than others so you really need to factor that in in terms of the budget and what's affordable as well because if the accommodation and all that is going to just cripple cripple your kids then you know in terms of their finances and also how far to be thinking about what it costs to come back home Yes. Well, exactly. so these are really uncertain times. So yeah. we were comfortable with Bath because it's not too far. And but you know, if she was having to come back from Edinburgh, that would be a really costly thing mm-hmm. for a student to do. And if you can't mm-hmm. fund that, perhaps their mental health is not strong enough to deal with being that far away. Although they might want to do that course, maybe there is a better nearer mm-hmm. course that would they would mm-hmm. be more happy to do. I just think you need to look around their choice as well, not just on your academic expectations yeah. and their academic. It's the lifestyle as well is very important for their mental health. Mm-hmm. If I'm feeling more reassured having spoken to Zoe. Not as complicated as one thinks and it is a big decision. You have lots of choices before you step Mm -hmm. over the threshold. I think that's the key. Yeah but it is time to get thinking about it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Right, I think we're ready for a bit of nostalgia noodling. Shall I tell you what's been tickling my memory bank this week? I thought you were going to say fancy then. Tickling my fancy. Well, actually, it is food related. So there is a bit of tummy tickling going on, I suppose. Do you remember crisps and particularly, obviously, crisps are very much part of my life these days as well but turning crisp packets into key rings and badges yes you remember that it was so bizarre wasn't it we used to I don't know whether kids still do it but it was that thing of like you'd have to if you were quite professional at it you'd sort of iron the crisp packet first oh god I can imagine you (laughs) loving this stress with a tea towel on a very Iron a crisp packet and then you had to put it on a baking tray on some foil and just just watch it and then it suddenly shrunk and it was just like the most exciting thing ever and it made me start thinking about the crisps that I enjoyed uh in my in my younger days in the 70s and 80s cheesy what's it's cheesy what's it's discos oh yeah prawn discos discos yeah skips bit weird no skips were the prawn skips were the prawn ones yeah put them on the end of your tongue and suck them yeah exactly sort of dissolved and then square crisps cheese and onion flavor oh i love Mm. it very strange square and then one that i'd forgotten about but popped up when i was googling this was smith's horror bag of bones do you remember that they were like little (laughs) scrapings off the the factory floor (laughs) exactly bits of old crap oh and whatever happened to golden wonder I don't know. Golden Wonder. There was a song. I'm not going to sing it. No. We used to do shrinkies with the kids, which is a similar thing. You iron them and then put them in the oven and make them into key rings when they yes, were little. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Use your hey, punch. Right, there we are. What about you? I have uh, I've gone upmarket luxury nostalgia noodle. So I was been watching various things on the telly and I was very struck by the Amanda Gorman poet at the inauguration. Lusting after that Prada headband. Oh, Listen to red me. One. Oh. Padded Prada mm. headband, which took me back to when I first came to London from Cornwall and I couldn't work out why when I went south of the river all these girls were wearing these headbands <laughs> in the in the early 90s and it was the Sloan Ranger the Sloan Ranger padded yes. headband wasn't it you know Fergie and all those women in velvet with little mm. pearls all over them mm. I was kind of perplexed because I guess you would call it the posh power band wouldn't you mm, yeah you would um, and I think worn with a little pie crust collar yes little shirt with a little pie crust collar mm. well anyway I want one now <laughs> I'm going to uh, I think one? I'm going to get one myself and then do you know what actually when this whole lockdown misery ends and we can go out I'm going to wear all the accessories mm-hmm. I'm going to buy everything I'm going to be wearing turbans headbands oh. clogs <laughs> Power bracelets. No more loungewear. No I more should loungewear. be planking along the street, <laughs> looking like Sandra Rhodes. Oh, I love it. You have to pop down to the King's we'll Road, to the Sloan Ranger HQ, HQ. as it were. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, we always love you to tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook group and on Instagram, where we are going to be doing some Instagram lives for you to watch. Be interested to watch out for news on that. Or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.